Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you Father, we just want to thank you for your word, and and Lord, let it do what your word says it would do. Let it challenge us, Um, let it motivate us, let it illuminate our hearts, let it point us in the right direction. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We just continue that journey um, about the Holy Spirit, Um, and you know, Shola and I have talked a lot Uh, more than we've probably done since we've been married in this last few weeks about the Holy Spirit. Um, It's become clear to us, as we were saying, um, driving into church, um, and she drove me into church, and it was a drive. It was quite an experience. Um, On one or two occasions, I had to, you know, and she said, please, I'm driving my car. Just sit as a passenger, and let's just get on with it. But anyway, um, and she said to me, I'm a better driver than you, and we were, you who's a better driver? But anyway, um, as we're coming, we're talking again about the Holy Spirit and saying, you know, it's, it's easily the most significant revelation that you can have. How central the Christian life is vis-a-vis a relationship with the Holy Spirit. How it's, it's the only way to live the Christian life. It's the only way to live the overcoming life. It's the only way to be more than a conqueror. It's the only way to deal with the vicissitudes of life, the challenges of life, the difficulties of life, the trials of life. It's the only way to live with hope. It's the only way to be impactful. It's the only way to arrive at the destination. It's the only way to fulfill destiny. It's the only way to live an abundance of life. It's, it's the only way. There's, there's just no other way. It's the way that heaven has wired it, which, which makes me understand why Jesus said to them, it is in your interest, it is expedient, it is profitable to you that I go, because if I don't go, we can't send the comforter to be with you. I get that scripture because what Jesus was saying is you can't live this life without him and without being in close fellowship with him. And so what does that look like for us practically? I think we all have to work to arrive at a place where he is central to all that we do where our entire life revolves around him. And it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen without commitment. And it doesn't happen without, without being intentional. Because the natural way is for us to talk about him when we are in a church service but then go out of the church service and get on with life. And not that we're bad Christians. We just kind of forget him. 
He just is not as prominent as we grapple with the day-to-day things of life. When you're rushing to pick up a child and get a child to a piano class, you're rushing to meet a deadline in, in, at work, you're sitting at your computer answering emails, you're dashing off to the gym to exercise, you're meeting a couple of friends for coffee uh, somewhere in the West End. It, the Holy Spirit can seem very far from all these things. You've got to take a decision about two job offers you have. You're, 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 home, you're, you're, you're going around home hunting, house hunting, and going into estate agents and speaking to them. You're talking to the insurance because they've made a mistake and they've charged you more. They've, they've taken more of your card than they should. The Holy Spirit can seem far away from all these things. When you're in a church and the choir have just finished worshiping and there's such a spirit of joy like there is here, then someone talks about the Holy Spirit, then it seems like, yeah, I get it, it's relevant. And so the thing for us is how are we going to make him so central to us that he goes everywhere with us, is involved in everything, is the go-to person whenever we find ourselves in any difficulty or any, any challenging situation, is the go-to person when we are blessed, when there's, when there's something that has been done that causes us to celebrate. He becomes central that's why the Bible says that it's close fellowship with him that was the intention of heaven. And you know, I had a lesson yesterday, and I, I was kind of repenting about 2 o'clock, 2.30 or 3 uh, uh, this morning. And I told Shola, um, I, I, I didn't let her sleep because I couldn't sleep, so I, I, I kept waking her. Uh, and I said to her that you can't believe I've just had to repent about this. So... Um, we've, 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 we've made our Christmas plans as a family. Um, and, you know, everything is done. Tickets bought, everything. Everything is done. And it's a lot of everything that's done. Lists have come. You know, five suitcases, are, four or five suitcases are already packed. Because, of course, you know, if you're going back to Africa or going back, you know, if it's the Carib- wherever you're going back to the Caribbean or where you have family, uh, even Europe, where you have family, you're, you're taking stuff. And if it's Africa, you're taking a lot of stuff for people. So five suitcases, of which none of them re- relates to any one of us. We haven't packed our own things. And so all this is ready. And then we'd plan this beautiful tour of West Africa. So we're going to do Nigeria, do Ghana, and do Cameroon. So we're looking forward to it. You know, just different cultures in different places. And then yesterday, I get a call as I'm driving to church for the prayer meeting that Nigeria has been put on the red list. And that just totally puts all our plans up in flames. Everything. You know, we're planning to spend Christmas with my father who's getting on in years. And we pray this will not be his last Christmas. But then we understand enough to know that every minute counts. And it's all gone up in flames just by Nigeria being put on the red list. So we're, we're pivoting and thinking, oh, can we go into Ghana and then go to Cameroon and not go to Nigeria? all that stuff. And, and as soon as it happens, you know, my wife, I speak to her, you know, my best friend, one of my best friends who we're going to Cameroon with, I speak to him, I call Abby, we're trying to do all kinds of stuff, you know, and 
It never occurred to me. And please, don't judge your pastor. Because some of you are looking at me with that religious look. You didn't, and you've been telling us about the Holy Spirit. You didn't speak to him. No, I didn't. I, I just went into action mode. Do this, do that, call this. Can we get refunds on the ticket? Can we get them to convert it to you know, uh, points or whatever? Can we do this? Can we do that? Can you check if we can go? Can we go straight into Ghana? Can we do this? I just went into action mode. You know, speaking to people, different people, you know. And then I came to church, I prayed. And it was interesting. When I started the prayer for the first three minutes, I couldn't focus. Because all that was going through my mind were air miles and hotels and all kinds. And I was on the, on the stage praying. Rebo, shake rebo, shake rebo. Air miles, hotels, air miles, planes going through my mind. I mean, I hope, I hope you guys wouldn't think your pastor is not spiritual. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. And eventually got it out of my mind somewhere. You know, when I realized I started worshiping, then the power of God descended in this place. And then, you know, I kind of moved from air miles, hotels, planes, cars, family, my, my aging father. And at night, about 2 a.m., I was lying up in bed and I was talking to God. And God said to me, you know you didn't handle that well. I said, what didn't I handle well? He said, you hit a roadblock. You called all the people. And he started running through the list. You went into action in your usual way. Because you know that's how I'm wired. It's a problem. Let's solve the problem. He said, in all that, it didn't occur to you that we have a bed's eye view that nothing catches us by surprise. So it was a surprise to you that Nigeria went on the red list. It's not a surprise to us. From before the foundations of the earth, we had known that when COVID hits the earth, that at this point in time, Nigeria will be on the red list. It didn't occur to you to ask the, 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 the third person, that the third part of us that we have put in you, who lives with you, closer to you than your wife, Shola, it didn't occur to you to ask him what is going on. And you know, I just felt so bad. And it was as if God was saying to me, let Shola solve it. Let your best friend, Demola, solve it. Let, uh, you know, all the people you have called solve it. Abby, your competent chief of staff, let her solve this problem. And, and it was as if God was saying to me, what is wrong with you? That's why we are in you. That's why we have taken residence in you. That's why we came. So that when you encounter these turbulence uh, or these difficulties or these challenging situations or life's issues, that's why he's called the counselor. So that he gives counsel. That's why he's called the strengthener. So that he strengthens because I felt deflated. Because every Christmas plan, we, we'd planned. Oh, we had planned. We had planned. We had, my, myself and my boys, we'd sowed some serious, serious strands. Serious, myself and my boys. We were going to look, me, my, me and my boys, we we're going to look sharp. Sharp. All packed, ready to go. 
We had planned. The whole thing just went up in flames. And he says, you know, the money we, we've, we've invested, I'm, I'm thinking about all these things. You know, I'm thinking, I just want to be with my father. Do I know if this is the last Christmas? He said, but don't you think that we knew all of these things? You didn't even bother to ask. You made him redundant. You dealt with the issues yourself as if you can solve the issues. And yet, sitting in you, waiting to be engaged is the comforter, the strengthener, the advocate, the intercessor, the standby. But off you went. So I said, Lord, I'm sorry. This thing is a learning curve for me. I'm still learning to make him who he should be, my best friend. Isn't it interesting that I said to you, I called, I have, I, you know, one of my best friends. I called him first. Before calling the best friend, the one that should be the best friend. I know it doesn't happen to you. That's why you're looking at me so like, like you know, you mean pastor is not spiritual. I know it doesn't happen to you, but it happened to me. And so it was a learning curve for me that this is what we have to achieve. How do we make him so relevant to us? How do we make him the go-to when we face a complex problem in an expert area in work and where somehow in our minds we think he doesn't understand strategy? He doesn't understand HR issues. He can't understand complex investments. How do we get to a point where we realize that Achieving, fulfilling God's plans and purposes, living the life of abundance, a life of impact, going through difficulties and challenges, we can only do it where we rely on Him. That's the big question. So I repented. And I said, God, I'm going to, tr I'm going to try again to make sure that this is my go-to person. So his names, or the way he's referred to in the Bible, tell us a lot about him. He's referred to as the Holy Spirit. So of course that tells us that he is a spirit, but he's a person, a bodiless person. And that's the challenge because we're so used to dealing with things in a physical realm that the, the, the whole concept of a person that is not physical challenges our natural mind. So we have to get over that. That even though he's a spirit, he's a person with feelings, with emotions. Must have felt a bit disappointed with me yesterday that, come on, you've been talking about this thing for the last five weeks, teaching about it. And you flunk this exam. And it must have made him. You know how, how a friend will feel when, when 
you, you, you don't come to Him and He wants you to come to Him. He has those feelings. The Bible tells us He can be grieved. That means He can get sad. There are certain things we do that make Him sad. He's not, he's not detached. He, he, he's, not, he's not a person without emotions. So there are certain actions we take that grieve Him. When a husband speaks unkindly to his wife, he's grieved. Why are you speaking to her like that? When a wife doesn't think kindly of her husband, why are you thinking like that? He's grieved. When you succumb to the amorous advances... Of him, he's grieved because you're not married. Why are you doing that? It's almost like he's saying, why are you desecrating my home? When we harden our hearts and we don't show kindness to another, he's grieved. So we have to, this is the work, we've got to get that into our subconscious, that this is a person, it's a person, as real as the person sitting next to you, as real as that person, is just that he's a bodiless person. So he's a spirit, but he's also a holy spirit. It is not by chance that he's given that name, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. In Romans 1, the fourth chapter, as it, the Bible declares the declaration of Christ and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness. The Bible calls him a spirit of holiness. It's a, a no-brainer. That he's not going to touch anything that's not holy. He's not going to be involved in stuff that's not holy. That there are certain things we can get involved in and he's going to have to step back because he's not going to be involved. And since we know we can't hide anything we do, he's seen everything we're doing. You know, what, what, what encourages some sinful activity is that somehow in our heads, we think it's being done in secret. There's no secret in the world. Because there's nothing God does not see. There's nothing God does not know. Even the thoughts in our hearts that we, we haven't told a single soul. Just the fact that it is in our hearts, God knows. So when we look at... When we, when we see someone and we say, oh, hi, it's really nice to see you. Oh, wow, I've missed you. And in our hearts, we're saying, why did I come down this way? I didn't know I would meet you. I missed you. On the contrary, I've been so glad that I haven't seen you. Thank God for COVID that kept you away. But we said, oh, but it's wonderful to see you. And God is seeing that. The Holy Spirit is seeing that. The deception, the hypocrisy. The Holy Spirit sees it all, is laid bare before him. And he can't engage with that. He's a Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. 
He's also the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In Isaiah, the 11th chapter, the second verse, a sevenfold expression of him is given to us. And part of that sevenfold expression of him is not seven different spirits. No, it is the spirit of God expressing himself in seven different ways. And one of the two of the expressions there are the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And when Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, this is part of his prayer. And it's my prayer for you and I hope it's your prayer for me. In Ephesians 1 verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That we might get knowledge, but then that we might have the wisdom that can only come by the Spirit of God to know how to use this knowledge. There are a lot of foolish, knowledgeable people. They have doctorates and, and, and all kinds of qualifications, but they are really fools. Because the Bible says that it is a fool who says there is no God. So a lot of accolades they get, but fools. They will eventually find out that they were foolish. So the, when he comes as the spirit of wisdom, he helps us deal with complex situations. When you see him operating as the spirit of wisdom in someone's life, have you met such people who, you know, they just have a way of simplifying what you thought was so complex. Anybody in here know such people? You just take something to them and they just, you know, they listen and then they say, okay, why don't you think about this or do this or do that? And suddenly you're thinking to yourself, why didn't I think about that? And the, the closer you get to him, the more he expresses this wisdom to you. I have one or two people like that. Who, who, who mentor me, who I'm submitted to. And it's just, just the, their wisdom. Just the way they just simply just break. And I'm thinking, it, it, it wasn't that complex, but it was. Until the spirit of wisdom in, in them, the spirit of God in them, operating as a spirit of wisdom, just brought the thing, made it just, made them put it. And it's not an earthly wisdom. It's a supernatural wisdom from God. Because there are people who are wise in an earthly way. But this is a divine wisdom from God. And then the spirit of revelation. That, that pulls back the curtain and shows us deeper dimensions. That, 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 that makes us read a scripture and we see an angle to it, a depth to it. That others might not have seen. Revealing who God is, who Christ is in the entire Bible. And you can't be a Bible scholar. You can't be one who, like the Berean Christians, if, if it doesn't come as a spirit of revelation for you to study the Bible, the Bible will be boring. I mean, you read Leviticus. I mean, Leviticus. <laughs> 
and you wonder what is going on here. They killed that so many animals, made so many sacrifices. What does that have to do with me in 20, the 21st century London? I'm going to uni. Leviticus is so detached from my life. But when he comes as the spirit of revelation, he starts to make you see types and shadows of a substance. So you suddenly see that whilst this was happening in thousands of years ago to the children of Israel, this is the application to me with my mobile phone and my laptop and sitting in a, in, in a, in a lecture theater. This is the application to me as I go to work in the city. Revelation. But he has to come. You have to give him space and welcome him as the spirit of revelation. And you know, he, he, the Bible refers to him as the spirit of life. Romans 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. So we're liberated from what was bondage. But that liberation comes by the spirit of life flowing through us. We're set free by the spirit of life. We get life from the spirit of life. So when you see someone who's really submitted to him, they have life. And it's not life in, in terms of their breathing. There are many people who are breathing and walking around, they're dead. It's life in terms of the life of Christ in them and their eternity assured. Because don't forget, the Bible says that he's the one who will let us know, Romans 8 verse 16, he will let us know that we are children of God. It's not a mental thing. It's, it can't be done mentally. When you, when you hit a roadblock, when you're faced with circumstances, when you enter the realm when God does not seem to make sense, and every one of us now and again will find ourselves in that space, this doesn't add up. God, where are you? This is not the plan. What is happening? And all those things can question your identity as to who you are. If you are my father, why am I going through this? What is happening, God? I was saying to Shola, and, and believing God for him, believing God for him, but I was reading that Timothy Keller, one of the pastors I admire and, 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 and you know, written some awesome books, especially one on prayer, has stage four pancreatic cancer. So I thought, man, that's tough. But then I started reading, him, reading some of the things he's been, he's been writing and just thinking, this, is, this man is incredible. In the midst of all this, he's just writing stuff that obviously comes from a revelation of God. Not afraid of death if that is the way it comes. Encouraging the body of Christ still. And these are the, some of the complexities. When, that, when, when we hit some of these things, when we hit some challenges, some difficulties, some pain, some suffering, which incidentally, you will not hear talked about 
in, from most pul pulpits. They don't tell us that there's suffering in this thing. They don't tell us that there's some pain on the journey. They don't tell us that there's some grieving on the journey. They make it seem like if you just give your life to Christ, all those things don't exist. No, the reality is that everybody we follow in the Bible, including the ultimate person we follow, Jesus, can show you stripes on their back. Everyone. Whether it's the waiting of Abraham or the challenges of Jacob as he battled with his character or Gideon who was told he's a mighty man of valor but looked at his circumstances and said, what kind of valor is this? I'm a second-class citizen, probably an illegal immigrant and I'm oppressed, I'm hiding in a cellar to try and beat some corn to get some food. What valor is that? And the list goes on and on. Or is it Paul who talks about ship, being shipwrecked, being beaten, being thrown out of the city for dead? It's just the, it's the way of life. So how do we go through all those things? We make sure that we have the spirit of life in us. We have a relationship with the spirit of life. So when circumstances try to squeeze life out of you because it is the spirit of life, the spirit of life resists. And that's how people go through some of these things with a grace and dignity that makes us marvel. It's not them. It's the spirit of life in them that is injecting life into them. And then, of course, as the spirit of life, he gives us an assurance as to who we are, children of God. And so we know our eternity is assured because that is the ultimate. So what's the difference between you and someone who doesn't know Christ? The difference is not that he has a better house or a better car or a better job or that they're married and you're not married. They have a child, you don't yet have a child. That's not the difference. The difference is that the spirit of life in you has borne witness to you that you are a child of God and that when this is finished, whenever it is finished, you're going home to an eternity with God. That's the difference. That other guy can, can, can be the, the vice president of the company, but if he doesn't know Christ, it's over for him here in a, in a short time. And if, if, even if it's 50 years, believe me, that's a short time. But for you, the guarantee is that you have an eternity with God. And the spirit of life in you brings that guarantee. So if you look through, the, the Bible is constantly telling us in, in, in the names, the appellations that it gives him, that this is, who, this is what you should have. This is, this is who we are missing. And whilst he's in us, if we're saved... He can be in us and be a stranger. You don't have to have a close relationship with everyone who's living in your house. The person can just reside there and now and again, you pass the person in the hallway and you say, oh, hi. And that's it. You don't have to have a deep, intimate relationship with the person. For that to happen, you have to be intentional about it. You've got to go and knock on that person's door. Invite the person to have dinner with you. Watch a game with the person. Drink tea with the person. And then you start to get closer and closer because you're intentional about it. If we're not intentional about building a close fellowship with him, he might have residence in our, in, in our, in our bodies as his home, but that's all he is. He's a resident. He's not a close friend or the closest friend.
Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. And Lord, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. And as I end, if you don't have a relationship with him, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he can't come, the spirit we have spoken about, and take residence in your heart. It is the relationship we have with him that allows him to take residence in our hearts. And how do you have that relationship with him? You invite him in. Ask him to come in and take residence in your heart. It's as simple as that. Um, and if you invite him to come in, the Bible says he knocks on the door and his desire is that we should open the door and invite him to come in and fellowship with us. Uh, translation uses an old word, sup, uh, which really is fellowship over a meal. Come in and fellowship with you if you will open up your heart to him. And that's the only way that I know that we can deal with life and all that life brings. It's the only way. And no one knows for certain what life is going to bring. It's the only way if we accept him as Lord and Savior, then commit to a walk with him. And so with all heads bowed in this place, all heads bowed, if you're saying, you know what? I do want a relationship with Jesus. I want his spirit to take up residence in my heart. I want to start this journey that will lead to close fellowship. If you really mean it, why don't you say this prayer with me? You really mean it. Uh, Jesus, I want, to, I want a relationship with you. I want to be more than the person who attends a church or who occasionally attends a church. I realize that what I'm doing is settling not just this life, but the life after my eternity. Father, we just thank you. Will you now say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I receive your son Jesus into my heart, into my life as my Lord and Savior. Today I give my life to him. I accept him as a gift of salvation. And I make a commitment that by the help of your spirit I will turn away from anything that might have grieved him as I embrace a life of obedience to you. By faith today I know that I am now a child of yours born again today into your family Heavenly Father. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody said, that's it. That's it. If you confessed and believed it, then the Bible tells us a miracle has happened. By your confession, he takes you out of the kingdom of darkness and places you in the kingdom of light, and the journey starts. Hallelujah. And you know what? Maybe we don't fully understand the excitement in heaven. So the Bible gives us a glimpse. The Bible says that the angels are celebrating every time one person comes back to his family home. So why don't you celebrate with the angels, those of you who are here, 
and those of you who are online. Hallelujah. Amen.